Yeah, a couple days ago we celebrated Valentine's Day, and I started thinking about that, and I don't know how many of you um, know the story behind Valentine's Day, how it came about. Now, let me go ahead and make a disclaimer right now. Uh, what I'm going to be telling you doesn't mean that when we uh, give cards one another on Valentine's Day or we do something special on Valentine's Day, does it in any way equate with some type of religious celebration or anything like that? Uh, there's a lot of things that perhaps some people observe religiously that we uh, observe nationally and do it for family reasons and not for religious reasons. And as you hear the story about Valentine's Day, perhaps you might think, well, anytime I give someone a Valentine's card, it has some kind of religious connotation with it, uh, but it doesn't. That has lost its meaning many, many years down the road. But about 250 years after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was a Catholic priest by the name of Valentine. That was his actual name, Valentine. And he lived in Rome during the time of Emperor Claudius. Now, Claudius was an emperor who was trying to rebuild the once great Roman army. Uh, he had seen some hard times. Um, many of its soldiers had been killed. Um, the treasury was uh, getting very bare as far as able to... Um, support troops and that type of thing. And he realized that doing a, uh, a draft had defeated its purpose because he was um, uh, getting soldiers who really didn't want to fight. And if he was going to have small armies, he wanted his fight, people who were fighting to be the very best they could be. So he decided to drop the draft of Roman soldiers and start an all-volunteer army. Uh, we have that in our nation now. But there was a time you got drafted. And even uh, now boys and girls both, I believe, have to register for the draft because there's a possibility you might uh, be drafted even though we, don't, uh, we have an all-volunteer army now. But he decided he was going to make an all-volunteer army. And he hoped that would strengthen his forces and get men who really wanted to fight. But here's the problem. That didn't work either. There were men who did not want to leave their wives and did not want to leave their families and go off into some country uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, especially in a t day and age when there was not transportation that was easy, when communication wasn't easy. When you left your family to go fight for the Roman army, uh, you may be gone for years and never get the opportunity to ever find out what was happening with your family or get any kind of communication back to them. So it had the opposite effect. Instead of having enough soldiers voluntarily sign up for the Roman army, the numbers started to dwindle. And so Emperor Claudius decided that uh, what he needed to do in order to get more men to join the Roman army was to make sure that no Roman man ever got married. He figured that if they stayed single and didn't have to worry about a wife and didn't have to worry about children, that they may, might be more adept to wanting to fight, wanting to see the world, maybe make a name for themselves, if they didn't have some woman who was holding them back. So Emperor Claudius... Uh, made a law in uh, around 6, 268 A.D. that forbade marriage in the Roman Empire of men of a certain age. And uh, you can imagine how that um, went over. Well, this particular priest by the name of Valentine was someone who uh, enjoyed marrying people. And... Don't know all the particulars about it, but evidently he was very popular when it came to marrying people. 
And so even after Claudius passed this particular law in the Roman Empire, Valentine continued to secretly marry people that wanted to get married. He was someone who believed in love. He was someone who believed in uh, matrimony. And he knew that that was something that was God-ordained and God-planned. And so uh, he wanted to be a part of it. So even though it was a law uh, that had the penalty of death behind it, he decided he was going to continue to marry people secretly. Well, one evening, some Roman soldiers caught wind that he was holding a marriage ceremony, and they came crashing into the room. The couple was able to escape, but the man performing the ceremony, uh, Valentine, was captured. And he was sent to prison, and they had a trial, and they decided that he was going to be put to death. In the meantime, while he was in prison, there was a a guard keeper in the prison who had a daughter, and this daughter uh, had the kind of the run of the prison because uh, back then it's not set up the way that we had things set up. A lot of times the prison guards even had families that lived within the prison gates, and she would go and visit Valentine, and they would have long talks and and talk about different things, and talk about his life, and talk about love, and that type of thing. And she, she listened to him, and listened to his reasons why he continued to marry people, even after the order was signed. Uh, she became to believe that he had done the right thing. But finally, the day came when he was going to be executed. And the day that he was supposed to be executed was February the 14th, 269 A.D., And as he was being led from his cell to be beheaded, uh, he handed this young girl a little card, and it simply said, Love from your Valentine. That particular event caused other people to remember him because of what he had done, and people started giving cards to one another on Valentine's Day. At first it was just a thing to do, but gradually as he became known as Uh, the one who was behind love for one another. Eventually, it became something that uh, only people did uh, for those that they really cared about, such as your sweetheart or whatnot. Now, Valentine's today is, uh, I think, more, has little to do with the history of this particular priest by Valentine than it has to do with uh, Hallmark wanting to make sure that we buy some cards. In fact, I saw something on Facebook the other day Uh, talking about Valentine's Day, and it said, uh, Valentine's Day, nothing says I love you more than somebody else's word on recycled cardstock. Now, Roger had it figured out. I saw what he did on Valentine's Day. Instead of buying Valentine's card at about $15 a pop, he went and bought two lobster tails and really had a nice Valentine's Day. And um, I think every one of us, though, wants somebody to love us, Everybody likes love. Everybody uh, wants to give love to someone. Uh, But here's the problem when it comes to love. Because we have shortcomings in all the other areas of our life, oftentimes we don't get love right either. Too many times our love is conditional. Uh, Too many times our love is based upon what kind of mood we're in. Uh, Maybe it's based upon what something our loved one does. Maybe it's based on appearance. Uh, Maybe it's based on some type of attitude that we have. And so when it comes to love, oftentimes we're very, very short. We fall very short. 
and the kind of love that we're supposed to have. Uh, as one little girl puts it, when she was thinking about love, she says, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. She's got the wrong definition of love, and oftentimes we have the wrong definition of love. Just a few moments ago, Grady read for us uh, a great section of love that Jesus explains to us what really love is all about. In John chapter 15, beginning at verse 9, and for emphasis' sake, I'm going to read this again and, and then make some points, at least three points, about what Jesus tells us about love. The text begins in John chapter 15 and verse 9. He says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I commanded you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordain you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I have commanded you, that ye love one another. When Jesus spoke these words, these were on the final night that he was here on this earth before he was crucified. Uh, this section of Scripture begins in John chapter 13 and goes through John 17, uh, which is basically Jesus' final words before He's being put to death. And if you go through these particular chapters, you find out that in uh, this particular section, He talks a lot about love. In fact, in this little section right here, basically um, 18 verses or so, you see the word love, I believe, 30 different times. And therefore... Uh, Jesus has a lot to say about love right before he has to die. And that kind of makes you think that he believed that love was very important. Of all the things he could talk about to his disciples before his uh, death and the final words that he had to speak, it was going to be uh, something about love. Well, let's look at this real quick. I won't take a whole lot of your time this evening. Uh, you've already sat through me once this morning. I don't want to make you sit through me too long tonight. But first of all, I want you to notice verse 9. And I want you to notice that we have an obligation, as Jesus puts it out there, that we need to receive His love. He says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. He says, I love you. And I want you to receive that love. In fact, literally where it says, continue ye in my love, some translations have abide in, in my love. But literally, if you look at the word at the source, it means to live in my love. Jesus Christ wants us to live in his love. He wants us to know that, that he loves us. He wants us to receive his love. 
there's a song that was written many years ago that is a children's song that is basically the entire basis of Christian theology. That is basically um, salvation in a nutshell. That's basically what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. And it's simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That right there is the most profound thing that a person could ever hear. It's the basis for everything that is Christianity. That Jesus Christ, we discover as we read the Scriptures, is someone who loves us very, very much. And He wants us to receive that love. He wants us to experience that love. And to show you the extent of that love, all we have to simply do is look at verse 13. And there we find what the extent of that love is that Jesus Christ has for us. When it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. While we were yet sinners, as Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us, Jesus Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus showed us how much He loves us. He was willing to die for each and every one of us. Don't you ever doubt that Jesus Christ loves you because He proved it with His life. But we have a responsibility if we really want to experience what love is. It's not some silly card we get on Valentine's Day. It's not some other way that we may show love for someone else. We really see love when we receive the love of Jesus Christ and realize He paid the ultimate price uh, to prove that love. But the text goes on and doesn't only tell us that we need to receive His love, but we also need uh, to be willing uh, to reciprocate that love. Uh, In Jesus' day, uh, a rabbi was known to have students, and Jesus, of course, was considered a rabbi. He was called rabbi by many. But... There was the rabbi and there was the students. There was the master, there were the students. And even like in schools today, uh, Karen may have some students that she is partial to and maybe she might be willing to do something for them to help them out and whatnot. But there's a very clear line drawn between someone who is a teacher and someone who is a student. Uh, That's very important because that line has to be there. But Jesus brings up something that was unheard of for a rabbi When he says, beginning in verse 14 of chapter 15, he says, Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. In other words, it's one thing to say, Jesus loves me, but it's another whole different thing to say I love Jesus. Because when you say you love Jesus, as the text says, uh, Jesus expects something from us. He expects us to show that love. Uh, Love is not just something you say. Love is something you do. Uh, We have gotten this idea from Hollywood and from uh, stories and novels and that type of thing, that love is some type of emotional thing, that uh, love is some type of butterflies, fluttering in your stomach or uh, just some kind of fireworks going off in the sky. But that's not real love. Real love is a decision. Real love is action. 
And so it's no wonder that this same Jesus told us in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. He says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. In other words, Jesus loved us and He wants us to receive that love, but He expects us to reciprocate that love. That love is supposed to be reciprocal. Now what does it mean to show Jesus Christ's love? Well, I don't think we'll ever fully understand it, but we can look at human love and get some ideas behind it. In a proper relationship where there is love, there is going to be trust, of course. Uh, There's going to be communication, and there's going to be some adoration. Um, In other words, uh, you're going to show that person that you adore that person and that you enjoy spending time with them and you enjoy being in their presence. Uh, The best marriages in the world are ones that are based on trust, that you can trust each other. And there's always an open line of communication. And the two people in that relationship always find ways to show each other how much they love them. Now, that gives us a pretty good impression of what Jesus is talking about when he refers to us as friends. He's not talking about just some friends that are casual friends. He's talking about friends that are in a deep relationship. He laid down his life for these friends. And so how does that translate over? It translates over this way. There has to be trust in a relationship, and therefore we have to have faith. There has to be communication in a relationship, therefore we have to have prayer. And there has to be adoration in a relationship, and therefore there has to be worship. Jesus expects us to put our trust in Him. He expects us to communicate through to Him through prayer, talking to His Father, and also receiving information from studying His life and revealing the will of His Father to us, as it says right here in the text. But He also expects us to show Him how much we love Him by our adoration and our praise and our worship. We need to look for opportunities to make sure that we spend as much time as we can in Jesus because we want to spend time with Him because we love Him. Um, I'm sure that there's a few young men who remember when they first fell in love with their spouse, uh, how that um, when they were uh, first caught up in the emotion of it all and and thought about how wonderful it was that they have found somebody so wonderful. Um, I remember when I first fell in love with Karen that I thought about her constantly. I thought about her when I was eating breakfast. I thought about her at the office. I thought about about her waiting in line at the grocery. I thought about her pumping gas. I couldn't stop thinking about this woman. But thanks be to God, I still think that way about her now. I can't stop thinking about her. But that's what we need to be doing about Jesus. We need to be thinking about Jesus. We need to be thinking about and Him all the time and learning ways to put more trust in Him and learn ways to put spend more time in communicating with Him and certainly be thankful for opportunities to adore Him and worship Him. But as I said, I'm not going to keep you long tonight. So after looking at what he says in verse 9, that we need to receive His love, and then he reminds us in verses 14 and 15 that we need to reciprocate His love. Uh, Finally, you get down to the last verse I want us to think about this evening, and that is that we need to recycle His love. We need to take the love that He has given us and not just simply keep it to ourselves, not just simply toss it to one side, but we need to recycle it. In other words, we need to use it over and over again and give it to other people. The text simply says this, 
These things have I commanded you that ye love one another. In other words, here's the basis now that I've told you that I love you and how I expect you to love me. Well, if those first two things are true, then I expect you to love one another. We need to recycle that love. We need to share that love with the rest of the world. Um, the commandment knocks out any kind of walls of definition that would, um, um, that would limit the scope and intensity of that love because he tells us uh, in verse 12 this. He says, This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. In other words, as we recycle this love, we're supposed to be people who are willing to love one another just as Jesus Christ loved us. And that's not an emotion, because Jesus didn't have an emotion when he died for us as far as having loving emotions. He did it because he made a decision. He knew that he needed to die in order for mankind to be saved. That's agape love. That's the kind of love that puts another person's best interest before our own. And so as a congregation and as individuals, we need to always be thinking about the fact, first of all, that Jesus loves us and what a wonderful, wonderful blessing that is. And how that as we receive that love, He expects us to show that love back to Him in a reciprocal way. And then as we experience the love of Jesus Christ and as we show our love to Him, we need, be, need to be willing to share that love with other people or recycle that love. And so if you have a need this evening, we want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. He is willing to do anything to save you. In fact, He gave His own life to save you. But if you have some other need, we also want you to know that this congregation loves you. And we're willing to help you if we can. We want to pray for you if that's your need or help you in any other way. Just simply come as together we stand and sing.